All right, welcome to Fumbling Around Detroit Sports. I'm your host, Todd Steinman. And uh, I'm hanging out with my boys, Young Guns, today. You know, <laughs> Mize, Scooble, and, uh, oh, geez, I forget the other. Manic, duh. Sorry, bro. Uh, and uh, yesterday, just uh, before I bring on my guest, yesterday I actually went to Lansing, uh, to the Capitol. There was a bunch of teachers there that were, uh, I guess, protesting uh, going to the Senate who or the Congress who were in Michigan voting on legislature on going back to school for the state. Uh, many of the teachers for my core uh, feel like there should be a virtual, basically, basically the only option uh, for most schools. They don't think it's safe for any district to be going. Um, and uh, we can talk about that. Uh, I do think there's a lot of dangers in a lot of schools. A lot of people are in peculiar positions all the way from uh, the governor to the Congress to superintendents to teachers to parents. And it's hard. It's going to be hard to please everybody. And uh, so a lot of negotiations, a lot of talks going amongst a lot of people, a lot of different thoughts, parents calling. I, I've had parents call me. Uh, you know, just asking, you know, and their thoughts and, you know, just a lot of people don't know right now. And uh, I'm excited to bring on uh, another teacher with me today, uh, a coach, uh, a guy who's going to be coaching or was coaching uh, high school football at Lincoln Park. It was uh, canceled uh, on Friday. We found out uh, around four o'clock. I did at least personally during my practice. And uh, so it looks like it might be or it's postponed till the springtime, which will be very interesting for this guy because he's also the varsity baseball coach. So if those two things are going to be going on at the same time, I'm curious to hear. I have not asked him about this yet. So uh, what? welcome Brian Ambrose, Lincoln <laughs> Park head coach, uh, middle school teacher at Lincoln Park, uh, alum, graduate from Lincoln Park, wearing his LP gear. Got it on, baby. Yeah. On. Yes, sir. You got, you got you got a hat on? I do. I it's a hat Support the teams. Support out. You always support the teams. Yeah. Uh, How did you take the news when you found out high school football, first of all, on Friday was canceled? I think after last spring was canceled with baseball. Um I think it was always just in the back of my mind, like, hey, this is a real possibility. So it's tough because you're trying to get your emotions and mentality all ramped in to what you're doing in that first week of football. But there was always, I think, in the back of my mind that this is going to get pulled right out from underneath us. And I don't even want to say pulled right out from underneath us I, I, because I was fairly prepared that this could happen with as many schools that were going to go virtual, um, the pressure, the kind of the climate, and then just the uncertainty of everything. Um with every day, my confidence was waning in the season of, of you know, of really happening. So um, it's always tough to get it, though, right? Yeah. Hey, we were also in the middle of practice. I got a text and a phone call um, from our athletic director, and he says, hey, it's done. And so we were in the middle of really what was our best practice of the week was on a Friday. It was our best practice. Uh, we were still on the de defensive side of the ball, and uh, – so we were just going to naturally transition to offense. That's when we huddled the guys together and we said, Hey, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's postponed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's done for the fall, but it definitely, it was postponed. I go, they didn't just cancel your season outright. So yeah. I go, they're going to try to make it work, which is great news. Um, and I, 
you know, in the sense I go, but this, it's always tough to hear. So we explained yeah. that to him and we kind of really just let the guys hang out and linger and play some seven on seven and have some fun. We didn't take their helmets back till actually like six o'clock. We just felt like it would have been a little too abrupt to just go, it's over. I'll meet you at the door, bring me your helmet. So we kind of let those guys process the information and still enjoy the camaraderie of being with your guys and the team because at this point now it's, hey, we're done until we get further guidance. Yeah, man. Uh, I Okay, so I did see that because, you. I mean, obviously we don't practice too far from each other, at least. Right. Awesome. So <laughs> I, I did uh, – that makes more sense now hearing that that's what happened and, you know, and understanding that. And, uh, you know, our players, once we gave them a break, they got to their phones and stuff like that. They got new. They're like, we already knew. But yeah. uh, they came to us. They're like, coach, they're like, football. And we're like, guys, we, and we've been telling them from day one, like, hey, guys, Take, don't take any day for granted. Like this might be our last day anytime. It, so. it, it rings so true, right? I mean, yeah. this is the first, you know, where you go, hey, any one of these days could be our last, right? So yeah. you got to just go full tilt, enjoy it as much as you can, play as hard as you can, because tomorrow it could be over, right? Yeah. And it it did ring true to a certain degree um, because – there's still some uncertainty here whether or not we're even going to be able to make it happen in the spring. I think they're going to do everything they can to make it happen because they're not canceling all sports, which I think is a really good idea. You know, if it's low to moderate risk, I think you can give it a shot. Go for yeah. it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But we'll see. We'll see as uh, as they as they push forward. Uh, current, yeah. So currently, because uh, a lot of people ask me my opinion on uh, schools, right? You right, my personal, you know, and I, I respect, you know, I'm, I'm happy to give them my opinion, mm-hmm. and uh, so my opinion is that right now things currently aren't safe in our area enough, like percentage wise, uh, and I feel like we need to have a plan to open up, right? I yeah. want to open up, and right. that's my, like, that's the way I want to teach. I love being with the kids. I want to be coaching and stuff like that. So like. Right. I'm excited that our season might be going on, but also understand that, like, again, I, next week, our first game's Friday. So uh, we might find out a day or two before that, like, still, because there's meetings going on that we're done. And, uh, but, like, I always felt like if we were going to have a shot at sports, it wouldn't be with also school opening up almost. I felt like we would have, like, I want to have sports if you keep it outside and stuff like that and somewhat contained. But, like, if you're having school and sports, and kids are doing both. If they fi- if you find a positive, then there's so much contact tracing that needs to be happening and stuff. Right. Like that. So they weren't mutually exclusive, right? For you, in the sense of if we start virtual, we can still do sports, especially yeah. if it's an outdoor sport. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Where we're saying it's too dangerous for academics, but it's not necessarily too dangerous for athletics. Yeah, and I agree with you uh, to an ex- to an extent there. That the I for, from what it appears to be that the the closeness or the closeness um, without proper ventilation seems to be, um, you know, maybe a, a trigger for this stuff to get passed around a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I am in agreement that you got to find some way to open um, and get kids back, <laughs> yeah. you know, because and I, I just think of it just from, an economical driver and also just a driver, I think in terms of, we talk about health safety, but just mental and emotional safety for families and kids and parents and stress levels that, uh, you know, 
if everybody were to start virtual, I mean, I, we don't know what the, what's the impact of that. Um, with the, you know, every, you know, parents working part-time or losing their jobs or, you know, things of that nature. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a fallback in either direction, you know, and I, that's why I said it's, it's not a position I uh, exactly, in, you know, do I covet those positions to yeah. um, want to make that decision? No, no, it's a tough decision, especially if you have, you know, parents telling you that they do want something, right? If you have a, a poll and parents are saying we want it in person and stuff like that, and you understand where they're coming from. Um, I just feel like I have not seen any school open successfully so far, almost basically in the United States. So like, George, you know, a lot of these schools are having to close down anyways. And it's, I feel like that will hurt more if you bring people in and then we have uh, an outbreak and we're not prepared for it. And then we got to shut down anyways and go back online and stuff like that. I would rather just be like prepared for the virtual option. And I feel like the future almost is more of a hybrid learning anyway. So uh, they were already kind of pushing towards a Google Classroom within the classroom, right? And I think that's still the push, at least in our district and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there was always this way to incorporate technology and more and more multimedia usages. And yet now to, to go to a full, oh, that's not necessarily it. I think, you know, I look at it from, I, I think our district did the right thing in offering parents a choice. Um, they do. And, you know, I look at it this way. Um I go shop at Meyerstone, Lincoln Park, you know, and there's somebody there that's serving me, that's allowing me to buy my goods, that's stocking shelves, that's allowing me to get the essential things that I need to live. And that, you know, that person that's checking me out at the counter may have a son or daughter that needs to go to school, right? And for her to say like, hey, I can come to my Meyer job and see 10,000 customers a day but I can't send my kid to my local community school. And that's the part where it's like, we still serve our community. And if 75% of our community says they need to send their kids to school, uh, somebody has got to be there to serve them. And I, and I have to balance that with the fact that there are people out there with real concerns, real safety issues, real health issues. Um, And you want to make sure that those people are still taken care of in this process. And that's where you're hoping you have a little bit of a federal safety net or or a state safety net for those people that feel that they're compromised. Um, But at the same time, I I don't want to compromise, like I said, the mental, emotional safety uh, and financial safety stability of our homes uh, for parents that feel the need that they got to send their kids to school so that they can continue to offer them a healthy life despite COVID. Yeah. And I, so I, I get that, but I feel like, so it's kind of like making us clash though. Right. Kind of like as like the safety of like our families and stuff like that. I like, cause right. I, I know a lot of my colleagues in the state, right. Like they're like, what about my health? Like yep. we already have a short of teachers, right? Like there's right, already, correct. We're already, like there's too much competition going on between schools right now and stuff like that. So like, while we might have like what, some safety if we have because i feel like our public or our uh district has been well or done a good job budget wise right for a long time yeah so but not a lot of districts and uh other areas have the same uh budgets as us so like the, you know that opportunity to provide hopefully we'll see what you know i want to see also if we're going to be in person i want to see what they're going to provide to us and stuff like that and what that looks like because obviously in uh, the danger, though, also is like some, you know, like, so we got to look at all the science, right? And then there's a lot of science and it's always adapting and changing to this thing. 
from one being that like they're saying that the you know herd immunity cannot exist now because maybe it uh, uh you might not be immune to it after three months after if you got it and stuff like that that uh you're more likely to get it if you are you know within the same room or distance a long time rather than like passing by or something you're more likely to get it so like I just feel like personally, like there's a lot of uh, unknowns and stuff like that that we still don't know. And so you have the teacher shortage. So if you do, you take the risk. If you do have teachers that do get sick or something like that, who are, who's going to stop? Are people really like, I am very curious to see the substitutes that will be coming in for you know 80 bucks in like, again, we might get them. Maybe we pay more or something like that. But again, like some of these districts, I, I feel really bad for it. And, uh, I, I saw a lot of Detroit teachers specifically and yep. yesterday downtown or in downtown Lansing at the Capitol and stuff. So um, it's just like, I feel like we're being, we're putting pawn we're political pawns of this whole thing. And we're expected to like save everything, but yet we don't want, they don't want to, they want to make a compete for students and stuff like, like it's just, it's very, yeah. you know, it's, it's odd because, um, you know, how funding is going to work out, whether you start virtually or in the classroom. I wish that was not as affected. I think as long as you're offering, trying to do your best to offer education to students that hopefully your funding would remain intact and as the same or whatever it might be across the state. I don't think that anybody should be shortchanged because as a, a community, because if you're once again, if your community, you know, if you're taking this idea and your community really voices your opinion to say, listen, we want to start virtually and you have the means and the resources to do it, then then I don't feel like you're you're you should be funded differently because of that. Because at the end of the day, you, you know, the, the people have a choice, right? In that in that process or have you know been allowed to be a part of that process. So I'd hate to see funding be shortchanged to certain places, but um I think that once again, you know, it is a difficult thing. In the larger sphere, you're right. I don't want to be considered a political pawn, and maybe I am, but I try to look at it more very short-term, short-sighted in the fact that there are families in our district that cannot take on the financial burden, you know, yeah. well, without so some now, sort of governmental support, but they can't take on the financial burden. So it's like, I got to, you know, so for me, it's just, I, I think myself is just being there for them and I'll do what I ever, I, you know, we're going to do it as, as best we can, as best as I can to one, maintain my health for my family. Um, and at the same time, try to maintain these children's health for their families, right. And do things um, as clean as possible. Um, so cleanliness and readiness and preparedness will all matter this year uh, more than it has in the past, but um, yeah, crazy crazy times. And I, I don't have any ill will to anybody that says we need to start virtually. Right. Or, or in, and vice versa. You know what I mean? Because I think it's just a really difficult decision and I can understand both sides of the argument um, and not be mad one way or the other, you know? Yeah, no, that's, yeah. It's just, yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's tough for everybody right now. I know that I know like the unions and like the superintendents and the principals and just like, again, we already have a teacher shortage. We already have a substitute shortage. So like, who's going to go into the field of teaching right now? Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like too many people are going to be inspired. Like, Oh wow. Like this looks like fun. Yeah. I think this, I think they're going to probably have to do something for those schools that do go face to face. If there's a, a te- you know, a sub shortage, right. I mean, can you get available people to fill into your classrooms that just might affect how you have to operate and right to go virtually. 
Well, uh, Brian just left us. I'm sure he'll be back out in a second. Uh, so we were just talking about uh, going back to school. And uh, a lot of districts are doing different things. I teach in Downriver. We both teach Downriver. And, uh, you know, right now they're offering virtual and face-to-face, -face, uh, depending on different research you read and stuff like that. Uh, so we're, we're going to be face-to-face -face possibly five days a week. That's what the offer is. Uh, if students choose that, or they could go completely online. And uh, so uh, a lot of districts are doing different things. A lot of teachers are scared of, you know, going back, maybe their uh, health and, you know, have compromised themselves. And um, also uh, they canceled high school football. Uh, coach Ambrose coaches high school football. And we'll talk about that in a second, but he's also uh, the baseball coach and uh for the high school team so they're thinking about moving that to the spring and so he'll be coaching two things also behind me i got the boys uh the young guns for the tigers and the tigers have lost four in a row and these guys have not been called up yet and a lot of the issues have been stemming from starting pitching they've tried tyler alexander they tried ivan nova and uh you know these guys you know, maybe they're just better out of the bullpen. They'd be better, you know, let's just get deeper, bring these guys up. We don't have to have them pitch like six, seven innings, but if they could give us four or five innings in a shorter year, if that's good innings, and the other guys, Tyler Alexander, could come out of the bullpen and pitch better. And if one of these guys screw up, then you bring Nova in and he could try to like, you know, if it's down, they give up five runs and he just tries to eat up a bunch of innings or something like that. So uh, Tigers are 500. They'd be like right outside of the playoffs or like, but they're like tied, you know, they're, the team who's in it would also be 500. So they have a shot at the playoffs this year. Uh, CJ Crone seems to be out for the year though, which really sucks. Uh, he was hit pretty well. He was bat four behind Miggy. Uh, so that's a big bat loss right there. He was hit really well. Even again, if the Tigers don't do well, like if he's hitting at a great pace and he's hot, like someone's going to buy him with all the teams willing to try to go for in the playoffs. There's just not going to be a lot of sellers at the time. So uh, I have Brian Ambrose on, and uh, hopefully he'll be back on soon. Uh, I don't know what happened. Just all of a sudden left, and uh, hopefully maybe his computer died. That's all something that happens, you know. I bet you. But anyways, um yeah, the Tigers, man, they were hot. They were, what, like 9-5 and five not too long ago. Now they're 9-9, nine and nine, and that is very frustrating uh, to do that while we watch these young guys, you know, AAA or whatever it's called right now in minor leagues. It's in Toledo playing. And, uh, you know, these are some of the best prospects in the major leagues. Like, uh, So it sounds like, to me, maybe, they might not come up this year at all, especially if they don't come up this week. I don't think they're coming up at all this year. They're going to try to uh, do, what is it, just kind of like, so they can get more years on them and keep their value down uh, when it comes to arbitration and get extra years on their contracts. So they're worth more during their primes and stuff like that. So they don't want to even try to go for it this year. Then maybe, you know, think a better draft pick. I hope that's not what they're thinking. You know, uh, we're in it for this year. I, this is what I hate about baseball is these types of the, uh, the contracts that the players and the they've negotiated. And this is what happens is these, uh, Owners, or not the owners actually, but the the head guys of these teams are manipulating time for these guys, and uh, so they could have them later. Let's check out the comments. Does look, look like somebody left a comment? Uh, is the streak at nineteen in a row now against the Indians? Yeah, 
so yeah, they, they've been getting killed by Indians. A lot of, a lot of, uh, thank you. Uh, um, love purple, live gold Martinez on uh, Facebook, but, uh, uh, yeah, the Indians have like literally owned, uh, the tigers, which uh, the Indians have been pretty good as of late the last few years. Uh, a lot of, t- a lot of people like Minnesota twins and a lot of people have been liking the, uh, white Sox this year. And so like, even like ranking them over the Indians, Indians did trade away, uh, Corey Kluber, but man, they have just homegrown pitching start. You want to talk about like what we want to become? Look at the Cleveland Indians. They have Shane Bieber, Bieber, Mike Clevenger, uh, Aaron Savale, Zach Plezak. Now some of these guys just got in trouble because, uh, they like went against protocol for the COVID thing. So they got sent to the minors. Uh, yeah. So they got, you know, sent down cause they got in trouble, but, um, yeah, all these, uh, that's what you want to do, dude. Those guys, and like they're not even as high as draft picks as the guys that you know we're talking about in Manning and uh, Scooble. And uh, oh, there he is. <laughs> what happened? Did your computer die? Uh, it did. It, it did. did. <laughs> I was not prepared. I apologize. No, you're, no, no, no. Uh, things happen. I'm like, that was my guess. I, uh, it took me a while, but I was just talking Tigers baseball. And uh, you talk about the guys, and you know, Tigers are nine and nine now, so they were nine and five. Yeah, uh, losing four in a row. <laughs> uh, you know, and should these guys be brought up? And uh, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, it's, I I hate sitting here like as a like I know more than Ron Gardenhire okay. or the organization. Well, I don't right? think but, it's up to Ron. I don't think it's up to Ron. Right. So obviously, you got this is a shortened year. Get these contracts in play, but I really think that at the end of the day, every organization goal is to put the most competitive team out on the field, right? And if that means these guys are going to make you more competitive or a better ball club, then you you owe it to your fans to give them an opportunity. If Ron says these guys aren't good enough, they're not better than these guys, or you know, then. So be it. Then they're not making you any more competitive. Yeah. Um, but if if you know that's where I think you, that's just once again my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think you owe it to the fans and try to put out your best quality product so, uh, that you possibly can. Maybe maybe part of the reason they're holding these guys down is uh, again maybe they don't really think they have a shot this year. I don't think Garden Hire thinks that. I don't think Garden Hire Garden Hire is going to do everything. I think he's done a great job with yeah, I agree and stuff like that. I think he's perfect. And I would even mind, I would not mind seeing him see the other end of this. I hope they don't just like use him for like these bad years and then like go get somebody who's hot or something necessarily. Maybe I'll change my mind with whoever that guy is, you know. No, I think that in. I think where we missed was um, you know, if you look back, I know that they grabbed Brad Osmus and not picking on Brad, but at the time we had a lot of stars on our team. Yep. And a lot of, you know, guys with egos probably, you know, those are big contracts. And so I think a veteran manager would have been the appropriate pick. And then bringing in a Brad Osmus with younger guys. Yeah. So I thought Brad Osmus was really the maybe the ill appropriate hire at the time. Um, But I I, I like Ron Gard. And and then, to be honest, they probably could have got rid of Brad about a year earlier and got Francona before he went to the Indians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been, you know big time moves um in the front yep. office. So but I, I like Ron Hugger. And if he and I think if you can if you're gonna give him the keys to kind of you know or have him navigate and steer the ship through kind of troubled waters, then by all means if he can get us through it, 
Um, he should be able to uh, have the ship when it's uh, good sailing. There's exactly. about my mind. But yeah, I don't think it's him. I think if personally, I think I don't. I don't think there's any way you could tell me starting Tyler Alexander instead of Casey Mize. Like that's not your best option. I'm sorry. And I know he pitched well out of the bullpen the one day, but like you know, guys aren't ready for him. There's no video on him. Like mm-hmm. he came out of the bullpen, but you know they weren't expecting. Him. So yeah, I think Casey Mize has got to be your best option. And uh, I think Elvia Vila is looking at like this as like the big picture, looking at you know six, seven years down the road even, you know, or even like three or four years because if they want to renegotiate any of their contracts, if they can extend that extra year that they have during arbitration and stuff like that, before they hit free agency, then they have more negotiating power, more leverage and stuff like that. So I think this is manipulation personally of how the negotiations went down. And this is a part that they need to fix uh, because they should do everything they can to have the best players up right away and stuff like that. You know, we want to see Tatis junior, you know, like we don't want to mm-hmm. see him like developing, like he's good enough. Come up. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that's where it's where you gotta. You would hope, yeah. If he was good enough, he's in your lineup. Now, if he's if he's not, you know, good enough, and Ron Gardner just doesn't want to come out and say, "Hey, look, the guy's just not good enough yet." Yeah. All right, um, you know, and, and maybe Ron does, and yeah, right, and he's being handcuffed. I don't know, you know, yeah. that's just that's just that's the inside stuff we just don't know about. Yeah, it's uh, behind the scenes, it's all speculative. But uh, I would hope that if you could put the most competitive product on your field, that you would try to do that. And but if these guys aren't going to make you any more competitive, then absolutely keep doing what you're doing. If it's six, you know, what do they say? You know, half dozen, and sixteen, and the others, or wherever that phrase goes. Then sure, keep rolling with what you got and save what you can do from a financial standpoint. I just, I just feel okay, so. A couple things. I I feel like one, they feel like they they're losing money. If they do, like, again, I talked about how all like the leverage and contracts and stuff, but like, you can't just bring them in a home game, right? And start them and they're like, just fill up the seats, Casey Mice. Like, so, like, <laughs> right. There's no, there's nobody buying more tickets, right? No. Uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's just like, a lot of conspiracy, like, a lot of things that, you know, like that, that would benefit not bringing him up, you know, if you can. And yeah. And I think if you could say, hey, listen, can you, Ron, can you make this club every bit as competitive with the guys that you have from a winning record standpoint um, without us having to, you know, dip into this pool? Do it, right? Uh, yeah. I think that's probably his marching orders for the most yeah. part right no, now. That's but, it. No, I, I think, again, and I, I'm hoping that, like, he's like, all right, like, I better be here. Hopefully, Rod for himself, like, don't screw me over, you know, in two, three years if you're going to make me kind of like struggle and develop. And But you would think in a 60 game sprint, if there was ever a time that you could just take a young team and get there because you're not playing 162 games, that this would be the year to do it. Just unload it and let's try to create some excitement this way. You know, maybe you get some back end confidence for next season where it's like, hey, we made it. Here we did this sixty-game sprint. We threw all these young guys in there that did, you know, just didn't know what they were up against, and they did it for sixty games before anybody could really figure them out. Yep. So it may, might be still the plan, and maybe it's a maybe it's a thirty-game sprint on the back end. I mean, they're nine yeah. and nine, right? They got some more to go, but I, who knows? You know what what they decide that they could, how many games back they can get, yeah. still make a push. I would yeah. rather just be games ahead versus games back, but yeah. uh, I think if you got into this little wild card situation here in these playoffs this year, that that wouldn't be bad for the city of Detroit with, with as many losers as we've got. (laughs) 
know, like yeah. you know, we're all in a rebuilding stage. It seems oh, like, yeah, no, but we could use a, yeah, a, a, somebody, one of the professional sports teams to put out something that's really competitive and maybe give us a playoff run and a little bit of inspiration and hope yeah. something to look forward to since uh, college football is not going to be playing and yeah, uh, high school football obviously is not going to be playing. We need something. Yeah. Uh, no. So that's the point, though, also, is like they could possibly dominate more this season than they could in a long season because they're going to be on inning caps anyways. Right. They're not going to go out there and pitch 200 innings like that wasn't the plan. So they're going to be out, what, maybe 100, 120 innings or something. So, like, you could do that throughout six, you know, like spread it out and like they could they're just much more impactful. There's less video. So you're going to surprise more people and stuff like that. It might take them a little bit longer for them to get figured out if they, you know, like, yeah, just, I, that's our best option. I feel like, but I feel like uh, what they're trying to do. So they already missed like the, the first deadline, right? Like there's like the first two weeks or three weeks that like Chris Bryant missed. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they bring guys up, but there's also like a point in like June that's like you avoid like super two arbitration or something like that. So mm-hmm. like, there's like another, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's like another deadline. And maybe that's what, so they're like, okay, we're at this point without them. Do we want to go for it? They just lost Crone, right? Like, so that's a big at bat. Yeah. The guy who's doing really well. So now they're like, okay, well, maybe we can hold out until that next point where we get more leverage and then re- readjust from there. Like, okay, now bring them up or something. Like you said, is a 30 game sprint or 20 game sprint if they're still within distance. Sure. And I don't know, unfortunately, I don't know them. Um, you know, all those arbitration deadlines well enough and what it includes this year for, yeah. no, and, um, yeah. in the year of COVID to really, and I'm sure those guys have it down to a science or what they think they need to do. But, you know, I, I always just say like, yeah, you just owe it to the, you owe it to your, you know, your fan base to be as every bit as competitive as you possibly can be. And yeah. if that means that it costs you a buck to do it, then, then so be it. <laughs> you That's know what I mean? How guys operate though. Like it, everything is read as like a business to these guys now because they have like the way that it's all numbers. You have these teams, everything's analytical, not just like what's on the field anymore, but like they're looking at everything. And yeah, they, they don't want a year with any losses, right? I mean, they can have yeah. a year with no losses, right? And, yeah. it, and obviously this year is probably an inherent year. They probably all take losses this year. You got to imagine. Yeah, um, I don't know because like uh, upkeep is less, but like they have good TV contracts, and I gotta imagine those numbers are decent and stuff like that. So yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. I I would hope that you know, and I do agree. Like for example, it's it's not like I'm trying to say Chris Illich and those guys should just spend, spend, spend money to be the most productive, you know, competitive team. I think it's obviously within a framework. Yeah. Right. Um, and. You know, but if like I said, this sixty game season is kind of like a like a wild card season. Yeah. Um, and I know that hey, if we if and they're probably thinking if we mess up now with some of these things from a contract standpoint, um, you know, this hurts us down the road uh from our viability of being competitive year in, year out. But I think they surprised everybody a little bit by getting off to the nine and five start that they were on. Yeah. Right. So it's like, okay, let's let's go with this. And so I think part of it is is this just this is where the Tigers are. They're more of a 500 team. And so we don't want to, sure. you know, yeah. really push and commit. Or is it one of those things where, Hey, we're just, we're a, we're a 500 team because we're not committing to the fact that we could be a winning team. Yeah. Right. Well, I thought like, before, like last year, I said the Tigers had like 0%. Like they did not have a shot. And if we had 162 games, I would say they would not have a shot. Right. But 
in a 60-game season, that 0% shot goes up to a 1% shot or something, right, like of a magical season. Like if they played 160-game season, they have a shot of just like having that perfect 60 games plus the playoffs and just have it work out. Where Mike Trout in the end of 162 games is just the best player. But there might be a guy who does better during 60 games during him who is just hotter. But yeah, like, you just – guys that get hot, you know, and rattle off, uh, you know, Let's just say they ran off 12 to 15 home runs in a uh, 30 game stretch. You know what I mean? Where yeah. they just get super hot and that just inflates your offensive numbers and gives you opportunities to win. Yeah. Um, it can happen, right? Yeah. I mean, I still think back to what was it, Chris Sheldon that hit like 10 yeah. home runs in the month of April? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And the Tigers got off to that great start. And then Chris Sheldon, I don't even think. I didn't finish. I don't think he finished the season starting for them. I don't no, know. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like got so, something. He went on like the worst. Yeah. But like, even still, like if that was in a 60 game stretch, though, like that would have been yeah. worth so much. Yeah. I mean, we're talking what I mean, the 60 games here with it's two and a half months. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's just about you get a couple of guys really hot that can put the ball over the fence. Yeah. I think this year and you're, you're in a good position. Of course you need some pitching, some starting pitching. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to keep these guys at bay, right? And that's where it's, yeah. you know, are we hurting ourselves by not bringing this guy up? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Matt Boyd hasn't necessarily looked good, and that's been frustrating, right, because he was supposed to, like, be our ace, and uh, yeah. he has not done well. Uh, hopefully he figures it out. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, you got to give that guy who's having a slow start maybe the opportunity to get, you know, get some good rhythm or whatever it might be, some confidence rhythm um, versus just pulling the plug on him, you know, real quick here. I feel um, like there's space enough. There's enough opportunity for everybody. Like, put Nova in the bullpen, and if one of these young guys, if they do, like, he's right there to, like, as soon as they do bad, like, too many runs or a bad, bring him in. He's that veteran starter to try to just get out of stuff or whatever, and then – eat up those innings if we need them. You know, if the guy only goes three, we need three out of you or something like that. Like I, yeah, you, I, I don't think there's a wrong way to approach it this year. I think you're going to get a lot of uh, flexibility in terms of how you want to manage. You, know, yeah. you don't have to go traditional. That's for sure. No. Right. No. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think the back, I mean, it's already been fun to watch. I think the back end will be even more fun to watch yeah. <laughs> as we yeah. as we push through this, especially if you get a team that's at the top of a standings start to have a slide, and you got another team that was in the middle of their divisional standings start to have a push. Like I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna be fun, yeah. that's for sure. Well, because everyone's in it, right, for the playoff push. Like at this point, there'd already be like sellers and buyers, and like you already have like a lot of negotiations going on, and nowhere basically who wants your guys and where they could go, you know, and then it's just about pulling the trigger. Like right yeah. now we have what, you know, 42 games left. Everyone's in like, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe yeah. Boston Red Sox are actually the last of the AL. Uh, they have no pitching. You want to talk about no pitching right now? Like, they have no <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I, I look forward to the end of the season. I, that's for certain. I mean, it, it is going to be fun. And I think the playoffs is going to be every bit as, uh, I see one seeds getting beat by, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, so uh, it, it'll just be a giant roller coaster the whole time. I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to remind me a little bit of NHL playoff hockey. Yeah. You know, where you right. see these beat one seeds. And, and I know we've had some wild card success or teams in the wild card position have had success recently in the World Series playoffs. But I think it's just going to be crazy. You know, exactly. I, I think NHL hockey's kind of been that way a little bit too. Yeah. You think that's going to be a change going forward, like extended playoffs like that? 
do they shorten the season? Is that even possible? I don't think they'll ever shorten the season, but I definitely think that if they wanted to extend the season with playoffs, that's a possibility. You know what I mean? I don't think they'll ever shorten it. But, it's already um, deep, though, man. It's already like that's a lot of innings, like added on to like some of these teams. I, I I just think it's still look at it from a revenue standpoint and go, wow, look at how you know what we created here, um, and let's just see it. You know, yeah, they might see something that works this year, and I wouldn't expect. Uh, you know, I but I highly doubt. Baseball is very traditional, right? And I mean, this is pandemic year, so we're going to play sixty games. But baseball is very traditional. You you know, those records are sacred to people, right? And uh, people still want to see maybe guys have the same opportunities to break those records. So I, I just don't ever see him shortening 162 game season. That's just My me. First episode that I recorded is about how I need, they need to either shorten the season or like compact it. So either seven, eight games, more double headers. All that. I, I could be wrong. I'd love to see double headers return. But, you know, it's like you said, it's back to the business. You know, before they used to play those years ago, if I'm not mistaken, they, those doubleheaders were boom, back to back. Yeah. Right? Um, and so one ticket was good for two games. Yeah. Uh, now it's clear the stadium out, yeah. bring it back in. You know what I mean? So I'd love to just, you know, somehow reward the fans a yeah. little bit, especially if the money is good. It's just like, you know, to do do some of those games again where it's, you know, yeah. you do get a, you know, hey, I, I bought for one ticket and I got two games. And maybe it's a little elevated ticket price, you know, so it's like a one and a half that yeah. you're paying for that allows you to stay for both games versus paying just, you know, for two games. I don't know. Do something that's cool. I think it would be. I think it would be awesome. I would, I would want it to be seven innings, though. If I'm going to watch two games, I don't know if I could stay and watch two nine-inning games. I would enjoy two set, like more excitement within like a shorter period. But that's the thing, like you see with ballparks, and everything you know, you think about uh, the Los Angeles Arena. It's it's more than just a sports venue, right? I mean, it's yeah. they call it the shopping mall, right? I mean, it's so there's they create these things to do the New Amsterdam Bar. You know, you got the the kids section with the roller coasters, but I do think it would be tough to take yeah, you know, some of your younger kids and have them sit there for hours on end. But yeah. I think that they're trying to accomplish that with certain speed up rules. Um, and I think as long as they continue to do that, um, you know, baseball. I think they're, they're working towards it. You know, they're listening to the fan base at least to say, let's speed this up, but also trying to honor the traditionalist yeah. uh, 162 yeah. teams and so on. Yeah. Uh, they t- they're taking advantage of this season. They're kind of like, all right, we get to like try stuff or whatever. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, it. why not? Right. This yeah. is your opportunity to do it. Do it. Yeah. So Take a step. The traditionalist might lose that this one a little bit. Some of the areas like, like the progression is going to be a little bit quicker than, it would have been without you got, it. You got the designated hitter in the National League. I'm sure some purists are just, you know, very oh, yeah. upset about that, you know. <laughs> but, like, is it more exciting or what? Like, right? Like, adding it to that lineup? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, some guys, they, they they liked it where the pitcher had to get up there and stand and wave the bat. And it does give you some great moments in baseball, like when you get a Bartolo Colon, yeah, getting a home run. I mean, there's yeah, some really yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but it also – uh, does just bring in another good hitter into the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Can, I mean, unless you want to hit, like, there's some guys who can hit. There's, I know there's like the uh, Michael Lorenzen who could like do everything on the Reds or whatever, basically. You could come out of relief, you could play outfield, you get hit. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you get more of that. Maybe, maybe, and you know, it goes back to, you know, once again, these guys, they value their contracts and what they think guys got to do. But uh, it, it would definitely, I know that from a, a strategy standpoint, hey, you get into the sixth, seventh inning, you got your pitcher rolling up to hit. Do you want him to hit? You want to pinch hit, and then we go to our bullpen, 
Or do we let our pitcher hit because he's been rolling, he's been shutting it down, we're in a one-run game? I mean, it does, I think, take away from the how you operate from a you know from strategy base, yeah, uh, how to manage the game. For sure. Um, so, so I think for baseball purists, they they're going to be disappointed to see that missing. Yeah. But um, I don't think the American League game truly has has been lacking by any stretch of the imagination because they got a little more pop in their lineup. No, I think it's. I'd rather watch an American League game personally. I mean, unless there's just like dominant pitchers, but I'm like, yeah, I'd rather just see better hitter, like better talent in the game, right? Like, I don't like, like you said, there's some good moments, but like, there's a lot of bad moments. Those pitchers, like, well, I think the American League game has really influenced the fact that a lot of these guys can't hit anymore, right? As soon as they start, as they grow up, they've got these things now called pitchers only POs in these 18 and under leagues and really? 16, you know, where these kids, they just start to really niche their game into becoming a pitcher only. And, you know, like they don't hit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even at the 18 U level. And that was the thing that always, so these guys that are becoming, and I think that's partly just because of the influence that the American league had, you know, it just trickles down. Right. So here we've got, these guys who are like, Hey, my meal ticket is my arm. I'm not a very good hitter. I'm not going to grab a bat anymore. They, they go into these things and they already identify themselves as POs. And so it's probably the overall skill level of pitchers being able to hold the bat, swing it, hit pitch. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You know, that's probably dissipated over the years. I'm sure there was guys back in the day that were just better all around, more complete ball players that also just towed the rubber for whatever teams they were on. Um, but I, I would probably say that that's diminishing and these pitchers that are coming up probably don't hold the bat very well. And it, there's less and less of them that can hold the bat. Yeah. And because they're spending so much time just pitching and so little time actually hitting um, <laughs> as they grow up that they're already way behind the eight ball. It's very interesting. It's very nice to see a guy like Shohei Otani try to like do it all a little bit too. It's so, cool. I, I respect yeah. it. When you got a guy in there that can pitch, but also hold the bat, especially when he's only batting, one out of every five days, and he can give you some something competitive. Like, it's a, you know, you got to tip your cap. People forget, like, that guy's a really talented dude. Yeah, no. Uh, first, I think I heard again already, but uh, he is hitting, but I don't know if he's pitching still. I don't know. But yeah, he's like, that's a super talent, right? Like, everybody was like curious. Like, he can play. If he's healthy, like, he's, and he's on, like, he's a top five player. And it's amazing to see him with, like, Mike Trout, too. And then you have Albert Poole. It's just like a great, collection of like all-time players to kind of like have like the nice young guy the best all-time and then like Albert Pujols just like a just a hitter who was just like in his time was the best you know oh I mean Albert Pujols is you're going to look at his numbers and they're going to be obviously up there with the top five and a lot of things so it's uh, a very impressive career yeah and uh hopefully Miggy uh, hopefully Miggy can skinny Miggy can keep going and uh looks good yeah uh so, I mean, he's getting paid like $30 million or something right now. Hard work is paying off. Hopefully it continues to pay off for him. Yeah. You know, like he's making all that money. So it would be easy to just like whatever. Like, like I made mine. I'm just going to go, you know, do okay. But like he's trying to put in the work. So he got, you know, healthy. Yeah, I think as – and as a fan, you're going to appreciate like that level of professionalism. Yeah. Does hey, listen. I'm, and he maybe might just be saying, hey, I only – if I continue on this route, I only got so many years in my career. So if I want to continue to do what I love, I want to elongate my career. I need to get in better physical shape. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's probably, you know, that part of it where it's like, I want to, I want to continue to do this and I want my legacy. I'm sure all that stuff starts to play into it. So yeah. ah, I'm happy to see that he's in great shape. Yeah. 
if they have the DH, right? Like that kind of adds more spots where he could possibly play. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. You know, so it's a little, little less wear and tear. Some guys, you know, Miggy might be that guy who likes the rhythm of the game and he needs to play on both sides of it. Um, but at the same time, if he can really adjust and adapt to just being a designator, because that's that part where they talk about how, you know, some of those other guys they would swing and their body would get stiff and you got to get loose again. And you know, some guys mentally just don't like that. You know, oh, yeah. so um, we'll see. Yeah, Miggy's fun. He's fun. I like watching him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he is fun. Uh, he's always like bed fun on the field. You know, uh, fun to watch. I always just, you know, think about the uh, the one bad summer a long time ago. Uh, I'm glad that, like, you know, he corrected himself after that. And uh, hopefully. I think what, what we forget is, too, how much can go on in these guys' personal lives that do have an effect on right, right. what they do in between the lines professionally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, hey, when, you're, when your home life or personal life is a mess, like, it does carry in. And it's, it's hard to compartmentalize, you know? Yeah. So it's uh, – it's one of those things you want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're humans too, and that they make mistakes and, you know, they just get paid a lot of money. That's the frustrating part at the same time, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. paid a lot of money. I'm yeah. paying $9 for this beer. Get your life <laughs> in order. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you have the money to handle that situation where you don't even need to be, but yeah. So you understand, you know, again, like you said, uh, people always make mistakes, you know, not always, but most people make mistakes and they happen and you try to learn from them and grow from them. And, as we get older, you realize, you know, like I did stupid things and I just got lucky. Maybe that I just didn't do too stupid or I didn't get caught or something like that. And, uh, you know, you try to grow and you just realize it was stupid. And, um, you know, dealing with students, right? I mean, how often they do stupid stuff all the freaking time. Like, yeah, they're kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're learning. Yeah. Uh, you know, what obviously social behavior, you know, norms that are acceptable and that are not acceptable. When, timing when you can do it when you can't do it so they're they're still learning the timing of things what you can and cannot do yeah yeah a little like, different than adults happy, right they'll try to like be funny or something in front of like their peers and stuff like that and try to like yeah so teaching is every kind of uh, interesting too because you know like classroom management how you handle the classroom is very important along with the curriculum and uh, building relationships so too and like so it's like it's What's already like a huge balance, right? A lot of these expectations because we're we're uh, trauma induced taught, right? Like I, I've I've been dealing my whole life with like students with trauma and stuff mm-hmm. like that, so we're we're equipped to handle students who are struggling with things that could be going at home or uh, just outside of their you know their their house, but like you know in the community even or within school, lots of things happen. So like, uh, but we do a really good job of like having things and structure in place to talk these things out, to give therapy. And right. oftentimes our, us as teachers, though, we have to be, if we have to like be able to see it, scope it out, ask the right questions, give them to the right people. Yeah. Um, and that's part of what we were talking about earlier a little bit is like the importance of like what we do. It's not even just, just the curriculum, but like some of the students, the assimilation right into America and stuff like that. If you know, uh, trying to learn English, even, you know, we provide English, you know, to uh, Spanish speaking students. Uh, yeah. Just this, the structure in daily practice that school provides for, you know, kids um, for them not to have that, that, you know, and I know some, some people are trying to start virtually for a month, you know, and then kind of read the situation. Um, you know, I, and I, I've said this before too. It's like, I, I don't think this is going anywhere. 
you know? So, and I know that we talked about flattening the curve before, and I think we do have to be careful of seeing things spike. And if they do spike, you know, but, um, you know, I've asked this question. So what's the number for us to return if we're going to start virtually? What then determines that this is safe enough for return? You know, I don't think anybody really knows, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's still some uncertainty around that. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and like you said, I think the uncertainty about, well, can you really get herd immunity if the antibodies only last three months? Um, yeah. you know, the second I, wave, what we've been saying from the beginning, that happens in, like that was expected to happen in the fall. Right, right. So uh, there's a lot of things, obviously, to balance and, and to weigh here. And I think that – and I, I've said this before – I think you you go you know the the key is to simply have a plan I think a little bit <laughs> you know versus not having a plan one way or the other so I yeah. think everybody should have their contingencies ready whether you start in school you you should be able to have your contingency ready to move to virtual which I think since we did that last year we kind of have an understanding of what that could look like and I think if you're virtual you have to just understand what is our contingency to move back face to face how do you phase it in yeah, no, again, I, we definitely need a face-to-face plan and what that looks like. Again, and also what, how, what happens if we, like, do hit certain numbers and what those numbers are, stuff like that. So there's a lot of science that's going behind it and decision-making, financial, low finance, finance is big too, right? Like, that's, I went, you know, like. It drives got, a lot of things. Yeah, so, like, if we don't provide the face-to-face, though, then the students could go somewhere else, right? That might provide, like, so, like, the, that that's what I hate about all this is, like, none of, there's no direct leadership happening from the federal government on down on what needs to like be done and what are like the structures. Okay. If you, you know, like, okay, every district needs to like be able for themselves, but like, what are the percentages that are needed? Like if you, you know, what is that direction coming from? Well, obviously, I mean, well, with education being mostly obviously, well, it is, it's under state, you know, state rule, state law. I mean, obviously federal has some funding to do to certain title things, but the majority of funding comes from states um, and the tax is paid within those states. So the, you know, I, I think most of your leadership has to come from state governors and their, in their bodies, state legislatures, things of that nature. Um, you know, but I would hope, but, but it goes back to what you're saying. If, if a kid is, if I, if, if I'm in a district that's going to start virtual, well then I, as a parent probably can just weigh all the options of who's got the best virtual plan at this point. I'm not just weighing my own district. I can weigh multiple districts, virtual options yeah, uh, for remote learning or virtual learning um, and make the decision I think is best for my kid, which means you could be moving your dollars out of the district that you live in. Because when you go online, you don't necessarily need borders to do online work, but there still is, I don't care what anybody says, a class load list that a parent has to, that a teacher has to work around. So if it's remote learning and teachers still have to grade the work that comes in, like you can't just say, well, because it's, it's, it's a virtual classroom, they can manage 60 kids. Well, it's not just 60 kids. It's, it's the feedback for 60 kids to yeah. give them the proper academic training uh, that's appropriate. So it's like, you can't put 60 kids in an hour just because you think that's appropriate, right? That's now the you know, a person's dealing with 360 kids, how is that teacher going to be able to give them honest feedback, right? And to, and really provide the right academic structure for them, even through remote learning. So I think there's, there's clearly a, you know, how many kids are going to be virtual learning where they're just part of a program, right? A pre-program and how many are going to be part of remote learning. I think these are all the things that are going to be like, 
just thrown in there. And you would oh, hope right. that districts do have a safety net to where they're not having to shutter their doors in two years because of this pandemic. So part of the conspiracy theory is I feel like of mine is that like uh, the secretary of education, like they want to privatize education. And uh, if they make education, not sorry about that little, the, the, yep. um, <laughs> but so like, uh, I, I think that like part of the, the hope is like, they don't want public education to be successful. And then people won't want to like pay taxes and go to like public, they'll want to go to charters and stuff like that. So like not giving them help and direction exactly on what to do. Cause she's been pretty silent. I felt like on this, um, is really putting like schools in peculiar positions because like, again, like, so like, we don't offer something. We don't offer face-to-face. Well, then that student's going to go to a different community possibly and then meet with those students. Like we're just adding more chaos to the structure and not really helping. And uh, I, I feel like, cause they've already, I think part of the negotiations yesterday, they, they're already talking about like $400 less per student or something like that. Right. That's going to be, that's going to be monumental for certain yeah. districts that don't have the fund balance to uh, withstand the loss of dollars, right? When it comes to one, employing the same amount of people that you were previously employing. And this might determine a district to just simply say, hey, we're going to offer virtual because we don't have the money to pay within our bank account uh, people to come face to face, right? So it's a different, there's there's a lot. So, you know, Dr. Vitti, I think from Detroit superintendent, I read in uh, some of the statements he had tweeted, and I don't think he's wrong per se on anything. He's like, you know, hey, here's what's coming down the pike. Um, and this is how the state government is going to, how they're going to reframe it and sell it to you. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think he was wrong. I, I, I'm not going to quote it or no, I have I it in front of me, but um, I saw him too. Uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting time how districts can manage the, the, the cut. And that's the part where it's like, okay, you're going to give us $400 less a student. And then you might give us less if we go virtual. And that's the part where I hope that's not the case. I think every district has to listen to their community stakeholders and make the right decision based on what they've heard. Um, And I hope that uh, that funding for every district will still be the same per pupil despite whether you go virtual or whether you go face-to-face. Because I really think that the decision to be virtual, face-to-face, or hybrid should be based upon what the community feels like they need for them, you know what I mean, for their families. You know, yeah. that, that's going to be different, uh, different statewide, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, uh, that's – I just – I get, it just – a lot of it seems to come down to money to me, right? Like funding for everything, parents even. Like they need money, right? Like they need – the school so they could go get their money to work and help this economy going and stuff like that. And there's a lot of political talk of like getting money to, to the people, but like out of all the trillions of dollars that have been given, we have not like the $1,200 that everybody got stimulus and unemployment. Like that was nothing compared to what was already sent out. And they always talked about like sending another package to help local governments and helping the people. And right now they're the, the, the house or the Senate is in, recess till the end of the month yeah the federal government yeah they're now in recess they're, they're going to be on vacation i hope that somehow the people do get a little cash infusion uh especially for those that um have lost their job or have been displaced due to or, this the ones um, who are working we talk about like groceries like workers like why are we be compared to like like no those guys should be getting paid more like i don't 
What are you saying? Like those guys are unsung heroes, really. Right? Like I mean, <laughs> they go show up every day, and I tell you what, I have not had one time since I've been at Meyer or Kroger, um, where I do most of my two shopping at, and both of them obviously are in Lincoln Park, and obviously there's one now, and where I live now, I used to live in Lincoln Park, right? But I moved, but it, every time I've always been treated and greeted, you know, very well. Like nobody is giving me some BS type of attitude, like. Yeah. <laughs> everybody at those places should be commended for maintaining a level of spirit and energy yeah. when dealing with their customers, because at least from my experience, they've been really, really good. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I applaud, I applaud what they've done. I mean, it's That's really great. 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 Because we, we obviously in for the correct reasons, we've have been respecting the medical professionals and the medical staffs that exist. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, all those people that are working at those super grocers, man, they they deserve some credit for keeping keeping things moving. That's and that goes all the way down to the supply side chain thing um and logistics. Um they're they're all uh, you know, I've been able to continue to maintain a certain normalcy to my life because of them. Yeah. I, I wish it would have been compensated a little bit more while they were throwing away throwing all this compensation around and liquidity to companies. Some of these companies that got liquidity, like were zombie stocks like they're going to fail before this was going to happen and now they just accelerated that failure but now they're gonna they got a bunch of money and stuff like that it's like come on like yeah some people are making out on this uh, you know which is but there's that's that's the tough part about coming up with a plan for 360 you know million people and countless businesses and small businesses and large businesses and, and middle businesses you know it's Nothing is going to be perfect, uh, <laughs> and all you could do is reevaluate your plan, the first one that you put out, and say, where did we miss? Yeah. And how do we make it better? Where was this incorrect? And hopefully that's where the, you know, a lot of the deliberation is, um, yeah. but it, it, it does get politicized very quick. Um, Listen, what's even What actually helped the economy was – giving the people money, the stimulus money, because they went out and spent it and stuff like that. Well, you know, that's what when, when I, I felt like I didn't need it, right? Both my <laughs> wife and I were continuing to get paid through it, uh, and I was grateful for it. And we did everything that we could to take that money and to give it to local businesses, spend our money at local businesses, um, and whether it be a little improvement on the house, whether it be a purchase of a lawnmower, we didn't necessarily go to Home Depot per se. We went to the local family business that was there and, and purchased our lawnmower just to try to help because, hey, that was money I wasn't expecting. So that was money that I tried to put cash infusion right back into the economy, into people's pockets, you know. Uh, and some of those other people necessarily, they need that money for bills, just bills. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was, we were fortunate, you know, my family to not be in that position. Yeah, uh, I agree. So, I wish more people would have got that too. Even there were some people that didn't even get access to that who probably should have got it. And like, again, that, that's what a healthy economy. Cause again, when we get money, you know, people who need it, like, and again, you don't necessarily need it, but like you're going to spend it within your community and then they're going to spend it within that, like more often rather than just giving it to these corporations up top. Like it never trickles down. Like that's like the oldest trick in the book. And then, well, I think it, 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 it trickles down in the sense if you feel responsible in some way, shape or form for the people beneath you. Right. Yeah. Like I felt responsible to give my money to local businesses to help the people in my area. Right. Cause I want them to stick around. I want them to do well and be around cause they've been around. They've yeah. been around for 50 years. I don't want to see your business go out now because of this. So 
I think, you know, in that sense, like I, I trickled my money right into direct hands here. Yeah. Right. Locally. So, I, I mean, you know, I, I would like to say that the corporations, yeah, I would hope that they would trickle it down to the people that truly need it. Uh, and they feel but they have to have a level or feeling of responsibility to those people that I think that's that, that work for them. Yeah. Versus sure. just the big five guys at the top that I know make the major decisions. Like they, they don't need another jet or another large package. You know what I mean? There's people that are truly in need and you could do the, you know, do what's good for the greater good. And unfortunately corporations have done good. What's for the, for the major stockholders first. Uh, Honestly, personally, I think we're in for like, I don't know. I think a big drop's going to happen in the economy. I don't think we're back yet. I think, uh, people think we're, you know, like since the stock market's like looking all right and stuff like that, like, oh, the economy must be good. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm not as confident as everybody. So because uh, the evictions are coming soon, like because of the memoratorium just ended and stuff like that. So, like, we'll see what ha- there's a lot happening right now. And uh, like we like just we just keep printing money like to solve it. So eventually that's going to have to like that only lasts so long, too. You can only lower the interest rate to zero like what we can't go like we're gonna go negative like yeah i i think the interest rate will stay rather low for some time now i think probably for the next i don't know maybe two years potentially i think the, the interest rate would stay for sure for, you know relatively low i think to help people out but um you're right uh that's that's the hard part where that's where you're using those financial things to decide how to write policy and what's the best move, you know, and that's could trickles all the way back down to what we said when it comes to like, what's best for, you know, is face-to-face school best or is it, you know, there's always a level of inherent risk with the things that we do safety, personal safety being one of them. Um, So, but teachers got to, and it goes back to what you were saying. I mean, teachers really got to feel supported that they're going to be safe in their work environment because, Hey, now I'm in a room, not necessarily with the greatest ventilation, with 30 kids um we got to do make sure that we're doing things correctly to keep keep everyone safe there you know yeah and uh, you gonna, but i you know once again too you, how you know you're gonna know how to do it till you get out in there and try to do it you know and i think oh, that's that's part of it for sure uh i just feel like there's a lot of teachers not me personally but they're gonna be str- they're stressed out because also like they're worried about like evaluations and stuff like that and again we're pretty lucky where we're at in our district and the budget that they are able to, and we just renegotiate our contracts and stuff like that. We have a strong union. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has, but we, the advantages that we have and the leverage we have in this. And, you know, so. Um, I, I would hope that evaluations this year are really based upon uh, effort <laughs> and, you know, that people are trying and, and not so much based upon what did, what did your kids score on this test, right? Because those kids are dealing with a certain amount of stress probably in their lives that at the end of the day, hey, this test might not be as important as what's going on at home, you know, right now. So I think it's it's a difficult time, I think, from an evaluation standpoint. Hopefully uh, ad- administrators in state governments recognize that across the board that we don't need less teachers right now, right, in the classrooms. Um, and so – know banging these teachers over the head with a with a a nitpicky evaluation and it's not to say sit there and do nothing type of thing but it it is to say like let me just see you make the effort and if you're making the effort i can get behind that and and make sure that your job is secure for the next year yeah uh part of my goal is just actually uh 
adding, I want to become more creative. So I got like the screen screen. I'm trying to get lights. I got, uh, I've already started like with my mom microphone and stuff like that. So I'm hoping to maybe like Tommy, I'm trying to get, try to get heart mid. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like do some, like, uh, we could have, you know, uh, we could have our notes up there and do our lecture and talk about it or something like that. So students can just watch it at any time and then they can like ask us questions or something, you know, like, so and doing more fun stuff again, like a green screen, maybe they'll be in space or something or in Spain if we're talking about world history. So. Absolutely. No, I think there's the one thing that uh, this definitely forces us to do is kind of, uh, you know, get a little more up to date with, our technology uh, standards, so to speak, and what it is that we can bring to the table. Um, yeah. Because whether, whether you're in the classroom or teaching from home, there's you're going to have to have um, a little more tech in your yeah. curriculum. You know, I got, you're, you're using I got a new desk. I just bought a new glass desk. Uh, so it's like a L-shaped desk. Uh, I'm going to get another monitor. I, I thought about getting it just because uh, I'm running this on a MacBook like 2011. And uh, I upgrade like the memory on it and stuff like that. But if I want to do more video stuff, uh, it might be time to like, all right, invest into a, a top notch kind of like computer. Type I'll of tell you what, you know, I don't even know what I own. Uh, I got a Mac, but at the time I bought it was years ago. Um, it was, you know, it was a pretty penny and yeah. I solid investment still works, still operates. I yeah. still, you know what I mean? And, and I feel like I can rock this thing out for another 10 years um it was it's worth it's definitely worth you know you get what you you the old the, you get what you pay for type of no. thing I, I feel like i got what i paid for you know what i mean and i'm, I'm very happy with with the I know. That there's I some haters of mac and apple though there's some haters the people who have like google and well uh, I, listen i respect listen i'm sure they have like they're, they're probably saying hey we offer just as good of a product maybe for less or we have just as good of a product at yeah, that yeah. price range you know what i mean when we're competitive and uh you know, like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just, it's not to say I picked Mac because I was a Mac guy. I mean, this I purchased just a long time ago. I wouldn't even say I was a Mac guy at the time of this purchase. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm glad I got what I got. <laughs> I agree. I'm the same way. So, like, I bought, like, I bought my iPhone. Like, and that's what, kind of what actually got me in the Macs was, like, when I got my iPhone. Like, I just never left it. And uh, I was Linus. Uh, and then I got my Mac computer and then I got like a watch. So I'm already all connected that way. So like, it's easier almost to just like, yeah, I might get another, you know, Mac probably owns me now. There's a certain level of comfort I have, right. That I don't want to change from. <laughs> yeah. Now. So, so maybe I'm a Mac guy, but I won't say here that I'm not going to sit here and die on the sword for, for Mac or Apple or anybody <laughs> else for that matter. But, uh, they probably got me hook, line and sinker. If they wanted to, raise my rates all the time in my iPhone, I probably would just pay it, just knuckle yeah. down and pay because I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to change at this point. <laughs> but I'm the same way. I don't like to like spend money necessarily, but like sometimes like for a good product that I'm going to get good, I know I'll get good use out of. It's just worth to do it. And Absolutely. Well, I couldn't agree more. So uh, actually, uh, Mr. Celsi was telling me we were at graduation or something and we were outside. He was talking about needed to get a computer and uh, how his last Mac was so good. And he was wavering. He's like, I talked to him about like how I like my Mac. He's like, you know, I'm going, I'm leaving right now. And he like left and went and got like a Mac computer and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I'm, I didn't like talk you into like, I'm sure it's going to serve him well. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, sometimes um, I talk to this guy who runs business and he goes, you know what? I've been doing business with this company for so long that eventually they just feel like something, there's gotta be something better out there. Right. And it's like, wow, we've had a great relationship. You know, yeah, my rates are here, but we've had such a great relationship. Like, why do you want to leave? You know what I mean? Just cause you think you get it cheaper. Well, that doesn't mean you're going to get the service. The service is going to be any better where you go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, 
He goes, sometimes maybe Mr. Celsius was going through that. Like maybe there is something better out there. Yeah. You, know what I mean? and you might want to leave. And it's just like, well, is it worth leaving? You know what I mean? Because you are comfortable. You have a certain level of amount of comfort. And I think yeah. that speaks volumes. Yeah. Well, it's I, uh, it's it's, a, it's probably a little bit more expensive. Like you, the other option was probably, you know, a cheaper computer, right? Or you got to save a few hundred dollars or whatever. But then he like looked over it like, yeah, if, I'm, if this works for five, six years, though, what's that couple hundred dollars at a computer? Uh, if it lasts that much longer, I think it also it also has to match what you want to do, right? Like what yep. you're trying to do, right? So yeah. you got to purchase the right correct equipment for what it is that you're trying to do or might want to do in the future. For sure, right? And she was going—I can't remember—but I think it was like for his daughter or something like that going to school. And so, but like, yeah, you want to make it last, right? Four or five years, probably for going to school. So you know, you it's funny to buy something after two years. It is funny because I tell all those kids from Lincoln Park when they get those scholarships and it's just like, hey, here's a check scholarship. I'm like, you know, invest in a good laptop. You right. Know, I would say I highly recommend it, you know, because you can rock this from college all the way out for the your first couple of years in your career or whatever. But, I mean, invest in a good laptop. I, I usually do tell them that. It's worth it. I mean, I, I think – you might bet in a similar boat, but in Lincoln Park, I had the advantage of like having access to like technology and stuff like in high school. Right. And like mm-hmm. I could do my reports and stuff at home and print it out. And like, it was easy. Right. I didn't have to go like get books or like make copies. I, and, life was a convenience where I lived. Yeah, for sure. Right. I, mean, so, <laughs> I had, I was access to all those things. Very yeah. fortunate to have two professional working parents that could provide for me. Yeah. Like my dad was always like getting a computer. Like he got, a, I, he was always like interested in like getting a nice computer and stuff in the house. Like, so I've always been around and being able to like just have access to it and stuff. So just a nice advantage and makes things easier if you can like use technology to your advantage. And like you said, like, so I definitely agree, like get a tool that can help you. Right. And I mean, it's a tool that you can take your own classes and learn from really, if anything, it's almost like the best teacher. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's, you get lost in all the tech, that, that these things have, right? I mean, it'd yeah. take you forever to master all the programs that just your computer can offer you. Yeah. So and then I'm like, you apply I'm them like, appropriately and correctly in the correct situation. There's the real art and skill. Yeah. Like I'm trying to learn like video editing, which takes a lot of skill and work, but I'm like, am I going to, I'm questioning myself. Is this going to be worth, like, am I going to use this? Am I going to keep doing this? You know, like, mm-hmm. so it's just like, because I can be good at whatever I put my energy towards. It's just like, I want to make sure it's being like, put it in the right direction and what I want to make sure I'm using. So, but I do, it is something I want to learn. And I've always, I mean, I've been, this is this whole setup right here uh, has been part of that, like how to live stream and uh, do different things, backgrounds. And there's a lot to do. There's a lot. So I'm hoping I could teach students that, right? Like that's why I is to help start providing that type of program, like opportunities for kids. Cause I think it's just fun too. Well, I I could I, I agree with you. I, I'm having fun today, just being being a part of it. You know, I, I had to I had to plug it in, but you know. like, oh my God, no, but no, like uh, I I want to make my own. Like I have a nice closet or in my room. Like I'll turn that into a studio, like a recording studio for just podcast, or even like have a green screen and stuff like that. Like because I would love to have like a weekly live news show or something, right? Like where that you know you know how they do it over the PA, but just like have like a legit. Go to different screens and like, yeah, you can do so much stuff. That'd be really cool. So that's my dream. You're on your way. I am. I am. We gotta get back to you know, face to face and allowing to touch each other and be by each other and stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm gonna make that work. But it's hard because like also like I have improv coming, but now I'm coaching soccer. So uh, 
Good addition to the plate. It's a good yeah. addition to the plate. Coach him up. I really enjoy uh, soccer so far. Uh, it's fun because I've had some of the students, like uh, as or some of the athletes as students already. So I already had some of the relationships and stuff like that. So that was cool because, like, when I came into baseball, I literally knew none of the students or the athletes, right? right? So I have some relationship, uh, but it's we start next week. We just had tryouts, but numbers are down a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming most because we just found out like Allen Park does not is not having a JV team this year. Wow! So oh, that's uh, crazy. Our head coach uh, felt like that was Coach Jones was like a little surprised by that. It seemed like so I wasn't sure what their numbers it's, are usually it's, like. It seems unprecedented. I, I have always remembered Allen Park soccer boys soccer being very fairly competitive. And, you know, usually running two programs, at least a varsity and a JV program. So for them not to have a JV program, that just really goes to show that parents are operating with caution. Maybe they will. Yeah, for sure. And maybe they will, though, with football. God, maybe a couple. Of, that's something we could talk about. Is there any of those guys want to play any soccer? Yeah, I mean, I think our kids are going to want to be active in some way, shape or form, especially if, you know, you know, I don't know. There hasn't really been an announcement about the gyms yet. There hasn't been an announcement about weight rooms yet. You know what I mean? Obviously, these are part of our kids' daily lives when they do come to school face to face. And so it's like, yeah, there's going to be some sort of physical outlet. I think our kids are going to want to have. So you could see uh, a bump in soccer here. <laughs> I always thought about because, like, I thought about the, the, the tennis position was open at the same time as soccer, and I just played one year of tennis my senior year, but it was a lot of fun and stuff like that. So like, uh. I thought about doing that and then like just try to like all out recruit and stuff. And like if football didn't go by, then just being athletic in tennis, like you have an advantage. No offense to some of the tennis players. I'm still holding out hope that they move baseball to the fall. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I really hope they do. And I think part of the fear is they're trying to protect baseball by keeping it in the spring, but I just feel like you just flip it back to the spring. Just go back to it. Yeah. I think for them, they're going, well, listen, if we move it to the fall and then the first three weeks of school go bad and everybody goes virtual because we see a spike in cases or canceling seasons again, I don't think you have to do that with baseball. I think you can just put baseball in the fall and if it doesn't go well and things got to get moved, then you put baseball back in the spring. I think you got to do whatever you can for the spring sports that got canceled last year to participate this year. So I would like to see them even make an effort to flip because what we're talking about right now, I think are going to be shortened seasons either way, which I think is appropriate. Shorten all the seasons, shorten your playoffs or don't have playoffs one way or the other. Allow kids to at least play for their school in a, in a, you know, in some form or capacity, because I think at the end of the day, what they're what they're doing to baseball and softball again is is they're really kind of penalizing the kids because now they're going to be forced to make a decision for some of them potentially do I play my AAU travel ball which has already started taking checks you know what I mean yeah. um, because it's become year round and with with sports specialization yeah. or am I going to play on my high school team that could potentially they talked about bleeding into July so starting baseball May June and July so that'll be really interesting I I really hope that they move it to the fall. Yeah and give guys an opportunity to have a full and complete season um, in that way, because I think it's going to make it easier for football still to operate in the spring because the UP and the Northern lower peninsula, they're going to have a really hard time. I mean, it is snow and ice on those fields uh, yeah. still at those times early yeah. in the spring. So, and I think football's already probably looking at a shortened season, but the way they want to operate March, April, and May, you're probably looking at a six week season. I, I just don't see how they're going to do nine and try to create a state playoff or a full or complete state playoff. I mean, I could see them doing six. Everybody makes the playoffs. 
maybe you do a regional winner. Um, at that point, maybe, yeah, maybe you do run it out because now you're going to have so many teams already kind of eliminating themselves. But I definitely think uh, it's going to be real, uh, real dramatically different uh, come the spring. But hopefully baseball, they're going to try to give them a full crack of things. I mean, even if you get half a season in in the fall and you got to shut things down and you say, hey, you're going to get the other half in the spring, it is what it is, you know, but give those guys a full opportunity to have three months to play. I don't know how many guys are in your same uh, position, but what will you do if they're going simultaneously? The sports, baseball, and football. Well, we'll have to discuss that with the athletic director and superintendent, and really say, hey, what's appropriate here? Um, you know, do we do we hire another person to come on staff? Um, you know, uh, versus me, and that's for both teams, or for do I got to give up one um, if they do operate simultaneously? Uh, you know, that's there. Not that I coach for the money, but there was a there was a check that I was going to get on the back end of the season that I'm probably not going to get if I, have to, if I have to choose, you know, one or the other, which wouldn't be the end of the world. But uh, the the principal sent me a text. He goes, "I'm going to find it very funny when, you know, you play the four o'clock baseball game and you're running over to the field yeah. at six thirty in your baseball uniform because you were you were at Carlson for a game and now you're showing up at six thirty six forty five to play." Uh, Lincoln Park versus Woodhaven on Friday night, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but I, I don't, th- I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of overlap. I don't think that's their goal because I think they want to create it to where guys can play both seasons, right. That, yeah. that the football guys can still do baseball. But I do think that your high end football players, the D one guys are already going to be signed and committed. They might just leave their programs early and enroll in college early. I think for baseball, juniors this will be a tough year for them because they're going to have to determine if baseball is going to go into july do i play on my high school team which or do i play on my travel team which i can go to these tournaments for exposure right because if i'm a college coach i want to go see the most kids play that i possibly can be at one site right so if you know, I might go to a very you know these high end tournaments that have some really great ball players and be able to evaluate multiple people versus going to a high school game, which is two teams on site. Yeah, you know, so it's I think the high school if, if the high school continues to go the way they're going to go, they might need to get creative on how they approach it, where they do a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where they just really operate out of weekends and have multiple teams on sites and play many tournaments or mini round robins. So that way you can get colleges, college coaches to say, all right, you know what, I'm going to go to this high school tournament versus this yeah. travel tournament because they're offering similar things. You know, they got so many teams at this site mm-hmm. per se. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they want to approach it. That's a, uh, I never even thought about that. So yeah, that'd be nice. So that'd be kind of cool though. Right. Too. Like, I don't know if you as a coach, but like kind of like condensing like, and a few few days, but also I guess you don't get time to work on stuff either. So well, it's it's going to be crazy because if if there is overlap or they do it at the same time, I'm, I'll probably have to make a decision because I can't practice for baseball and then still be at practice for football, right? So it'll force me to make a decision. Yeah, I would have to step aside, step down, or we we hire a co head coach or promote somebody, and you know we got to everybody's got to be comfortable with that. Um, if that's the right fit or mix, I'd, I'd like to finish what I started, right. As most people do. So we already got this started. I want to see it through and finish it. Um, but we'll see how this forces my hand a little bit. If they do try to create the two separate seasons, I think I can do it. 
Um, I think the only people that really suffer is my family <laughs> because I'll be, I'll be away from them for, for, for six months straight every day after school in the evening. So yeah. dinner times are going to get pushed, bedtimes, shower times, you know, all that stuff that I got to get home and help with. Uh, my wife will definitely be taking, bearing the burden on that. And so we'll need some family and babysitting support uh, during those those uh, those six months because then all off-season training is going to happen at the same time too for the most part for baseball and football you know we're going to be doing it you know in january and february yeah know, for four guys you know you're out of season rules so it's uh it'll be interesting yeah uh well i'll be there to get to watch it all so i'm excited to see how that all works out just to be an observer of how you handle all that well as a sport junkie like part, that part of me loves it right like i well, i'm gonna go from this to this but as like a father and a husband that's the part that's like i don't know if this is going to create the right type of balance because there was at least a, uh, you know that winter separation for me between football being in the fall and baseball being yeah. in the spring like it's still really shut down because the winter season was always the longest season. So there was a little bit of a shutdown right there where I could kind of recharge the batteries a little yeah. bit. Um, and now it's going to be full on go. I could see morning rise and grinds in January, right in January and February. And then, and then, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the work, uh, the baseball after school. Right. And so it's just, I could see really long days ahead of me and then until teaching, right throughout the day right and then checking papers at night and so uh, there, there could be a lot of coffee in my future uh come 2021 right <laughs> so. yeah no dude uh that's <laughs> well i appreciate you coming on well thanks I'm for having me whining. so i'm gonna take care of him uh yeah. good talking to you uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me it was uh, thanks for putting up my technical difficulties or illiteracy not charging my computer Oh, no, it happens. Uh, <laughs> you're waiting for the school year. Uh, making sure tech, because we're going to be relying on technology. Uh, oh, yeah. Into the classroom. So, right? Because they're going to all have their own Chromebooks and stuff like that. So, everything's going to be. That's uh, going to be a good thing. I think that's a great thing for our kids, especially in our district. That's going to be a great thing for them. No, yeah. I, I, I agree with what we want to do and looking forward to like, because like it, it's making me learn Google Classroom. And uh, luckily, I work with Tommy and uh, Mr. Breen. And they already started doing the Google Classroom stuff. They got pretty good at it before last year even started. So when we even, like, they were already, everything was already set for them. Like, we didn't even have to do much. We didn't have to add anything. All the curriculum was already on there for students to access and everything. So that was actually really cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, and they, before that even, ha all the COVID happened, like, they were like, this is awesome. Like, I wish we would have done this before. But it just takes it's a lot of change, right? From being like, mm -hmm getting oh. used to what you're doing and the papers and stuff. But like once they made the change and like, it's a lot for the students, our students, because you're creating something on your own too. And it doesn't, what might make sense to you doesn't always make sense to like other people. Like, right. You're like, no, you're supposed to do this right here. Like, Oh, like it doesn't really explain that very well. So yep. there's some learning curve in that process too. Of like, I agree. And I, I will say this too, you know, one of those things that I'm sure all teachers can probably speak to this, but I know for myself, I'm a more knowledgeable teacher today than I was you know I mean, before the pandemic, right? I mean, I, I know how to do more things now yep. than I did before, right? This forces you to adapt. Some of these things forces you to adapt. And because of it, I'm even more skilled today than I was, yep. you know, I'm not saying I'm any better at the art of teaching, but I am more skilled today uh, you have you know, than, than I was. You have another tool that you could use to, you know, like just because that's all you're doing is like adding tools to your belt. So like you have all these different tools that you can like 
not just rely on one, but like a bunch of them to, you know, cause we're like entertainers to these kids too. Right. Like you can't just be like the Mr. Bueller guy up there. Uh, what's it? Ben Stein or whatever. Right. I, I think I really should be presenting my lessons in 30 second Snapchats or something. I don't know. Or uh TikTok videos somehow, you know, <laughs> cause no, they, they're all there. over those things. Right. There's something to it. Cause like I heard there was like, a t- I, I deleted my TikTok, but there's some kid that like, uh, does like math equations or something or like teaches math lessons or something pretty good on there that's like way better than any like te- like we should be able to use those tools like if they're they work you know so you know we always talk about meet the students at where they are right or yeah. players as coaches you got to meet them at where they are well if they are on tiktok yeah if they are on snapchat sometimes you got to meet them where they are right yeah in order to, to captivate and bring them in and make them better at what we want them to be better at so yeah. all options on the table <laughs> I like that. I like that because uh, I know. Yeah. So, all right, man. Uh, hey. I will see you around. It was good talking to you. Uh, go real Twitter. Go real Twitter. Thanks for having me. Yeah. See you later. All right, bye. Bye.